We want you to open your Bibles to the book of Philippians. Philippians, not Acts. Some of you are thinking we're going to Acts again. We've been in Acts. We've been walking through this journey of Paul's. He was attacked by the religious community, almost torn in two and killed there. Rome stepped in, took him from Jerusalem to Caesarea by the sea. He was there in prison for several years. Uh, He went through uh, Felix, then Festus, and then finally he appealed to Rome. That's his right as a Roman citizen. And so he gets on a ship and he goes along the shore into the Mediterranean Sea. And did you read my letter? Did you read the letter yesterday or Friday that went out? You know, again, yeah, I've been thinking, man, you're hearing me talk all the time. And so I sent you a letter from Jim Smith. Jim's over here, uh, and, and I appreciate Jim so much. After last week's message about Paul's shipwreck, so many people came and told me stories that I'm like, I wish I'd heard those before the message. Joe Robbins was on the island of Malta. I'm like, you were on the, the island of Malta? And he said, yeah. He said, I actually sailed all of that, the Adriatic Sea there uh, in his time serving. And then I got home and Jim sent me this, that beautiful letter I sent you about his time on a ship out in that sea. And what a great analogy when Jim's standing at the, the stern, or the, not the stern, that'd be the back of the boat. We're at the front of the boat, right? And he's, he's with a commander and, and he's in charge of navigation. And they're going over that large trench seven miles deep. And he's like, oh, it'd be terrible to, to go down here. And, the, and I love what his leading officer said. Jim, it doesn't matter if it's 100 foot of water or seven miles of water. We're going down. It, it, it's not the depth that'll kill you. It's the width. You can't get to shore. So stay on the ship. What a great analogy. I appreciate Jim's writing. He was a journalist too, but that guy's done everything. He was a cop out in Los Angeles. He's been a reporter, been on a boat. My goodness, he's done it all. So I appreciate that so much. We talked about Paul's journey. We talked about that shipwreck. And now Paul finally, after being on the island of Malta, many are saved and healed there. He makes his way up and finally ends up in Rome. Remember, Jesus told him, this is what to go, this is where you're heading. Paul, I'm going to use you in Rome. And in order to get there, God also had many other ministry opportunities. God's work will advance the kingdom in mysterious ways. And so that brings us to today. He's finally in Rome. And so today, the big idea is kingdom perspective. Kingdom perspective. Say it with me. Kingdom perspective. You weren't ready for that. Let's do it one more time. Ready? Kingdom perspective. But we need to make sure we keep a kingdom perspective in our minds. In everything we do, in all, the, in all of our life, we need to make sure we keep that kingdom perspective on what life is and what we're all about. God is most glorified when we are most satisfied in him. God's most glorified when we're most satisfied. Are you satisfied in God today? As you're singing the worship songs today, Jesus, Jesus, your name above all other names, wonderful, glorious. Are you singing those words in truth today? Do you believe that he's above every other treasure Do you believe in Scripture that when a man was searching in a field and he found a treasure, he buried it and he went and got everything he had and sold it and bought that field? Do you believe that Jesus is worth your life? Is he worth everything to you? That's a kingdom perspective. So let's finish this journey with Paul. Let's talk about kingdom themes. What is kingdom perspective? There's a lot of kingdom perspectives. The Bible is full of them. Biblical kingdom themes like he who loses his life for my sake will save it. That's a kingdom thought. 
For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. That's the main part of today's message. That's a kingdom thought and perspective. Be faithful unto death and I will give you a crown of life. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. These are kingdom perspectives on life and living. Love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. That's, a, that's an upside down kingdom perspective. If you don't have a kingdom perspective, why would you love your enemies? Why do you call me Lord, Lord and do not do what I say? Love God with all your heart and soul and strength and mind. These are all kingdom perspectives. Do you have a kingdom perspective for your life? Last week, were you living kingdom perspectives? This week, will you live kingdom perspectives? Looking to see, how is God using me here and now? Maybe it's a suffering I'm going through. Well, how is he using it? Maybe it's a victory. How is he using that? How is God in your life? And are you seeing it as kingdom perspective? I love that Francis Schaeffer said this. I don't know how many years ago he said this. Sounds like he could have said it last week. Ours is a post-Christian world in which Christianity, not only a number of Christians, but in cultural emphasis and cultural result, is no longer the consensus or ethos of our society. He should be saying that right now. I don't know when he said it, maybe decades ago. But oh, how we know that today we are in a post-Christian society have you understood that christian i don't want to break your heart today i hear so many christians bemoaning and complaining you know we're a christian nation they keep coming and saying that we're a christian friends if you haven't heard anybody else let me go ahead and break your heart we're not a christian nation anymore we are not a nation that seeks god We are in a post-Christian society. Our morals and thoughts, our kingdom perspective on living is not the norm in our day. It goes counter-norm. It goes counter-cultural. And you will constantly be beating yourself against the wall if you think that we're going to change the society to be more Christian. It's it's not going to happen. I was reading this week that the Los Angeles Times used to post every week the scripture reading that the churches would be preaching on Sunday. Can you imagine that today? If you open up the Wall Street Journal or the New York Times, or, and in there was, by the way, nation, here's the scripture you're supposed to be reading. No. Long gone are those days. And I keep hearing Christians say to me the most absurd things I've ever heard because they think that we live in a Christian society and they they, they don't understand why they're not doing Christian things. And so I hear Christians crying out, we need to put God back in school. We need prayer in public school. No, don't do that. Christian, don't ask for that because we live in a post-Christian world. And if you want the schools to have a prayer time, trust me, Monday will be to Buddha, Tuesday will be to Krishna, Wednesday will be to who knows what else. You don't want our world today forcing some kind of a religion because it's not what you think. We have prayer in our public schools when our Christians pray. Christian kids praying. Christian kids can meet before school, after school, and meet and pray. Let them do that. But let's not think that our society is going to bring Christianity to the forefront. It's not. We're in a post-Christian world That can break your heart or it could drive you like it drove Paul. I don't know if this is true or not, but I think Paul was in the pre-Christian 
world. I think Paul was heading to Rome to preach the gospel that had not been heard. He, he's before Christianity hit the world. He's going to bring it. He's going to preach the gospel. And now we've had all these decades and generations. And now we're in a post-Christian world where they rejected God in society. They rejected kingdom perspectives. And that's the world we're in today. I'm not telling you to give up, Christian. But if your goal is to Christianize or moralize our society, you will fail. Preach Jesus. Preach the gospel. We don't need to clean up society. They need the greater cleaner upper in their own lives. Preach Jesus. So let's go to see what Paul did in Rome. Philippians 1, 12 through 30. So he's gone through all of this. He's gone through prison. He's gone through uh, being separated and, and almost beaten to his death. And then on a ship, several ships, and then a shipwreck, and then an island, and then a snake bite, and then, a, oh my goodness, he's been through it all. So what's his kingdom perspective? Is he angry? Is he bitter? Is he, is he mad at God? No, let's see what Paul is saying. After all that he's gone through, Philippians 1, 12 through 30, follow in your own copy or digital, wherever you got. Philippians 1, 12 through 30. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. Stop right there. I just love that. What's Paul's kingdom perspective? All that's happened to me, it's advanced the gospel. It's purposeful. He's got a kingdom perspective. Yes, I've been sitting in jails, but I've been preaching to the guards. Yes, I've been uh, stripped some of my freedom, but, but I have a captive audience of those that are here and around me that they have to hear the gospel. It's kingdom perspective. The gospel was advanced. What a heart. As a result, verse 13, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of my brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Do you hear Paul? He's not bitter. He's not angry. He's excited. I read this and, I, and he's writing to the Philippians, by the way. I think on the second missionary journey he stopped in philippi and there he preached and many were saved lydia was one there's others that came to know christ there was a church established this is one of his babies that he's he's brought birth to and there's believers there and he continues to write to them and now he's writing them from prison in rome we believe toward the end of his life we think that this book of philippians probably was written there's a lot of debate but it probably was written close to the time of his death 62 64 somewhere in there and that's that's when he's writing these words so he's lived his life and now he's not looking back in anger he's not looking back bitterly he's looking back and saying "Woo! isn't it great the gospel is going forward and other people are excited about sharing the gospel verse 15 it is true that some preach christ out of envy and rivalry but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition. Not sincerely, supposing they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is, whenever you see a four-word section like that, you've got to underline it in your Bible or highlight it, make a note. Because he just said, the important thing is, what's the important thing, Paul? Who wrote half of the New Testament? I want to know. What does Paul think the most important thing is? The most important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. Amen. 
Christ is preached. Say it with me. Christ is preached. Here's Paul at the end of his life having served, having lived a wild life of fighting Christianity, persecuting Christianity. And then he met Jesus on the road to Emmaus and the light came down and he has changed. Now he's preaching Christ, the one he defied, the one he used to torture. Now he's the preacher of the gospel. He's in chains for the gospel. He's constantly under attack, shipwrecks, beatings, snake bites, you name it. And he is finishing the race and he is excited. Why? Because the most important thing is Christ be preached. That's a kingdom perspective. We go on, and because of this, I rejoice. Yes, I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. We have a hard time understanding this, but somehow the church gets twisted in Rome. And Paul's been there in chains, but preaching. Many are hearing about Christ. And uprises this Christian group that's preaching Christ, but with bad motives. To stir up trouble for Paul. Maybe they're preaching a different way, but they're preaching Christ. And I love Paul's attitude. Instead of being mad about this, he's like, oh well. Christ is being preached. Remember, he told us that's the most important thing. They're against me. But they're preaching Christ. Oh, God, for the church. That we wouldn't be against one another. That we would be unified in the gospel of Christ and not making enemies out of one another. Not picking and choosing who's good and who's bad. Who's evil, who's right, who's wrong. Checking motives. Paul said, whether they're doing it for good motives or not, they're preaching Christ. That's the most important thing. Oh, Christ, help your church be unified. Weed out from us any disunity that we can be stronger. And he continues to say in verse 20, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now as always Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. Paul gets it. I think he knew. His life was in jeopardy. Nero is now in charge and he is brutal. You can go to history and read about Nero. You don't need to buy in the Bible. History talks about Nero, how awful he was. Nero, sadistic and awful. There's a fire in Rome, burns down most of, of Rome in 64-ish. We believe, we don't know for sure, but that's about the time we believe that Paul is killed. The fire in Rome was probably set by Nero because he wanted a new palace and he was angry that they wouldn't build him a new palace. So he burnt the city down and built one that he wanted. And it's around that time that Nero probably had Paul killed. He used Christians as martyrs all the time. Many of them he crucified. He, he hung them on crosses. Peter was hung on a cross. He, he refused to, to be hung straight like Jesus. He didn't feel like he was worthy of that. So he, hung, he got hung upside down. They hung him on a cross upside down. Paul, we don't believe, was crucified. It's weird that we don't know exactly how he died, but he wouldn't have died on a cross because he was a Roman citizen. They couldn't do that. More than likely, Paul was beheaded. Martyred in that way, but we just don't know for sure, and we don't know the time, but it's probably around 64. 
And here's his kingdom perspective as he's heading this way, probably knowing Nero's going to take him. Nero was awful. Nero was known to light his parties with bodies of Christians skewered on a pole, covered in oil and lit, human torches. That's how sadistic he was. Paul had to know time was probably running out for him. And he's writing to the Philippians to let them know. Listen to his words. I don't want to be ashamed. I hope I'll have courage so that Christ will be exalted, whether by life or by death. And then we have the most famous verse of Paul. It's probably in Scripture. Verse 21. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in this body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart to be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy and faith. So that through my being with you, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. Paul. This saying is no cheap saying. For me to live Christ, to die gain. This is not, a, this is not just a fun little thought. This is not just a, a kingdom thought. This is a perspective that he's counting on. Paul is, is giving us his life philosophy. In English, we, we put is's and twos in there. But really, in, in the way he wrote it, he basically said, living Jesus, dying gain. So we added some is's and twos and made it more readable in English, but he really shortened it, and Paul was not known for shortening things. Paul was this bullet point dude. He made made sure he said it all, but here he said it pithy. He said it very pithy. Living Christ, dying gain. That's it for me. When I'm living, when I'm breathing, it's about Jesus. If I die, woohoo! And many people read this passage and think, oh, this is so wrong. Christians with a death wish. Christians wanting to die. Christians wanting suicide. That's not what's happening here. It's a kingdom perspective that you can't escape when you have this thought. He said, for me, living is Christ. Dying would be better. But what should I do? I know what I got to do. I got to go keep on living. So I'm going to keep living Christ for your benefit, church. I'll keep preaching and telling you and growing you. He wasn't looking to die. He wasn't wanting to die. But he realized death would be sweet at this point. Do you understand that? Are you with me? He's not saying we all should just commit suicide and go to heaven. No, he's not saying that whatsoever. He's got mission. He's got purpose. While we have breath, we should be living kingdom perspectively. But we also know that to die and be with Jesus is a sweet, sweet reward. Our world doesn't get that. It's such a post-Christian society. Our world just, no concept of that. I wrote out some lyrics of a song. Preacher told me last Sunday, son, you better start living right. You need to quit women and whiskey and start, stop carrying on all night. Don't you want to hear him call your name when you're standing at the pearly gates? I told the preacher, yes, I do, but I hope they don't call me today because I ain't ready. Everybody wants to go to heaven have a mansion high above the clouds. Everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to go now. It's a cute country song. It doesn't have a kingdom perspective to it at all. 
but it is kind of the perspective that most people have. Yes, I'm a believer, and I'm going, and, but I don't want to go now. I got stuff I want to do. I don't want to. And Paul is just the opposite. Paul's like, if it's my time, woohoo! It's not my time, and I'll keep preaching. Living Christ, dying game. He was ready at any moment. There's another song that's been in my mind all week. I think about Steve Porter. And I think about Pastor Bob. And I think about their kingdom perspective that while I'm here, Christ. But if I go at home, Oh, that will be glory for me. It's an old southern gospel song. There is coming a day when no heartache shall come, no more clouds in the sky, no more tears to dim the eye. All is peace forevermore. Oh, that happy golden shore. What a day, glorious day that will be. There will be no sorrows there and no more burdens to bear, no sickness, no more pain, no more parting over there. And forever I will be with the one who died for me. What a day, glorious day that would be. What a day that would be when my Jesus I shall see, when I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace. When he takes me by the hand and leads me to the promised land, what a day, glorious day that will be. That's a Paul kingdom perspective there. Victory, not defeat. Living, Jesus. Dying, gain. I've told you about Julie's grandma, Grandma Ollie. She's the crazy when she she was Amish and then they they kind of back backslid a little bit and became Mennonite because grandpa wanted a tractor and so they went from Amish to Mennonite so that he could have a tractor well she left she was the black sheep rebel of the family and she became a Baptist I've never seen anybody that backslid twice and ended up Baptist <laughs> but she was such a glorious believer she was loving Jesus and we went and saw her in the home as she was aging and, and, and finishing. And, and we sat by her bed, read scripture, and she was in and out. She'd fall asleep, and she'd come back, and we'd pray and read scripture and sing. And she'd fall asleep. And one time she was sleeping for quite some time. We're watching, and eventually you start looking. Is she still breathing? Is she with us? And we started talking quietly amongst ourselves. And all of a sudden she, she woke up, and she opened her eyes. She looked at her, and she goes, Oh, am I still here? I'll never forget that. Man, I'm still here. I thought I was going to wake up and see Jesus. I got to look at you people. She was a spitfire. But kingdom perspective. While she was living, it was Jesus. But dying was going to be okay. Dying was going to be a victory. She wanted to have Jesus take her by the hand and lead her to the promised land. What a day glorious day that would be did i finish the passage i don't think so 27 verse 27 whatever happens conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of christ then whether i come to see you or only hear about you in my absence i will know that you stand firm in the one spirit striving together as one for the faith of the gospel without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by God, 
For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him, since you're going through the same struggles you saw I had. And now I hear you hear, I still have. What is Paul's perspective? His kingdom perspective is two things I have for you today. Advancing the gospel is the goal of the kingdom. Advancing the gospel is the goal of kingdom living. Fill it out in your notes there so you have it or click on the button to automatically fill it in if you're on the app. Kingdom perspective is advancing the gospel is the goal of kingdom living. He says that in Philippians 1.12. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. And again in verse 18. He says, but what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether false motive or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Living for the believer should be about advancing the gospel. That's our goal. Do you have that kingdom perspective as you're living your daily life and meeting with people, working with people, shopping around people? People can be really annoying, amen? Or they could be opportunities i i almost got a second job at home depot yesterday i I was walking and everywhere i went people were asking me for help i'm like am i wearing orange i had a lady actually she didn't ask for help i butted in i'm a buttinsky sometimes i'm in the plumbing aisle and this woman is on the phone with her husband and they're not getting along because he sent her to get some real intricate parts for plumbing a copper, no, don't, don't, I saw that in the back. Sometimes the pastor catches people. Jimmy, she nudged you. Jimmy's done this before, people. Shame on Jimmy. She, she's supposed to get a copper line that goes from the water to the, the ice maker, and she also needs a shutoff valve in between. That's easy for any lady to do who's never looked at any plumbing. And so she's in the plumbing aisle at Home Depot, which there's a thousand parts, right? And, 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 and I'm listening to her and her husband really melt down. She is mad, and everybody knows it. She's letting him know this is not fair, it's not right, and I couldn't help it. She hung up, she's mad, she's still huffing, and I said, ma'am, can I help you? Which is dumb, because I'm a pastor, not a plumber. And she said, I've got this proper line, he wants me to have some kind of a shutoff valve. And I said, well, I do know where the shutoff valves are. I said, here's all these shutoff valves. I don't know what sizes you need, but this, the, the little thingy, that's what shuts it off. She goes, oh, this is great. I'm close. I'm like, God bless you. And I left. I went three aisles over, and this four-foot Filipino lady was trying to reach the top shelf. And I'm standing there, and she goes, can you help me? I'm like, yes. She told me, I, I grabbed it and brought it. To, and you know, the whole time I'm thinking, this is fun. I'm just going around helping people. And then it dawned on me, Paul's life wasn't fun, but that his mission was constantly living Christ. I'm, I'm living Christ. I'm living Jesus right now. I'm living the gospel right now. I want you to know about Jesus. I want you to know how to be saved. That's the goal. The second thing is pursuing the goal with courage is the heart of kingdom living. Pursuing the goal with courage. In verse 20 through 24, we hear Paul saying that for me to live is Christ to die gain. If I'm to go on living, what, 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 what do I choose? I'm torn. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, but I know It's necessary that I remain. Courage. Courage. Paul wanted courage to continue preaching and continue living. He was hard. It was hard living. Kingdom perspectives. Sorrow looks back. Worry looks around. Faith looks up. It's easy when you're struggling to to look back 
It's easy when you're struggling to, to look around at all the things to be worried about. But kingdom perspective makes you look up. Are you looking up? Are you looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of the faith? Look up, believer. Have a kingdom perspective. Keep your eyes up. I almost miss Julie. I was in college and I got dumped by a girl. And I spent a whole year moping. And with my eyes on the ground in front of me. Just, just, oh, just moping for a whole year. And walk through the skillet, which is the place where you can get, you know, cheesy fries to drown your sorrows. And they had... They had a video game there called Burger Time. And so I was all about cheesy fries and Burger Time. And I was pumping in quarters. And, and that's what I was doing. And all of a sudden, as I'm pumping in quarters one time, she walked by. And I looked up. I tell the story everywhere I go. She had that long, beautiful brown hair. And, and she, she walked by right in front of Burger Time in slow motion. <laughs> and right, right in front of the game as I gazed up. She looked down at me, and she took her hair, and she went. It was amazing. It was in slow motion, and the hair flick was perfect. And it was almost as if you could almost see the beam and hear the sound. I said, who is that? Somebody says, that's Julie Page. She's been here for a year. Where you been? I said, I've been looking down. I almost missed her. Christian, what are you missing by moping about the world and the sorrows and the troubles and the problems and, oh, my goodness, GameStop, oh. Look up. Paul had a kingdom perspective. He looked up. Keep your eyes up on Jesus. We've got an upside-down perspective. It's, 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 It's upside down. Don't worry about that. That's upside down on purpose. Because our living is upside down living. There's things like death. Isaiah 25 and verse 8 says this. You make... It's okay. Sorry. There it is. He will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away tears from our faces. He will remove his people's disgrace from all the earth. The Lord has spoken. Death is no longer a victor for the kingdom. It's an upside down perspective. But death... We're okay with that if we're confident in our faith and we believe in Christ. It's a secure future. Death is it's not going to beat us. The fight of faith, 1 Timothy 6, 12. Fight the good fight of the faith and take hold of eternal life to which you were called when you were made uh, your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Fight the good fight of faith. The world would look at that and say, that's silly. Why do you go to church and give money and serve? And, and why do you struggle? Well, that's a good fight. Keep up the good fight. It's upside down thinking toward this world, but that's okay. I got an upside down perspective. I got a kingdom perspective. Battling evil. Psalm 36 and verse 8. They feast on the abundance of your house and give them drink from your rivers of delight. We, we do battle against instant gratification. We as believers don't just take whatever the world offers and, and take it in. If you do, you'll be, end up like I was, a garbage can of addiction. We just put it in if it brings pleasure for the moment. Why not? We have an upside-down perspective. I'll tell you why not. Instant gratification leads to lots of problems. Delayed gratification is living for Christ. But the reward is much better than the instant gratification. Do you hear your pastor this morning? It's a kingdom perspective. 
Self-denial. Why would we do that? Mark 8, 34. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. Take up their cross and follow me. Why would we live a life of self-denial? Because we're kingdom people. And we understand again, great is the reward. I have a different thought about this life and what it offers me. Worship, Romans 12 and verse 1. I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your act of true worship. We worship God. People in the world would think that's crazy. What kind of a God needs to be worshipped? It's not about a God that needs worship. He needs nothing. It's about our need. I love what C.S. Lewis said. I've got to read this to you. C.S. Lewis in his book, Reflection on the Psalms, he says, The world rings with praise. Lovers praising their mistresses, readers their favorite poet, walkers praising the countryside, players praising their favorite game, praise of weather, wines, dishes, actors, motors, horses, colleges, countries, historical personages, children, flowers, mountains, rare stamps, rare beetles, even sometimes politicians or scholars. I had not noticed how the humblest and at the same time most balanced and capacious minds praised most, while the cranks, misfits, and malcontents praised least. I had not noticed either that just as men spontaneously praise whatever they value, so they spontaneously urge us to join them in praising. Isn't she lovely? Wasn't it glorious? Don't you think that magnificent? The psalmist is telling everyone to praise God. Are you doing what all men do when they speak of what they care about? I think we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses but completes the enjoyment. It is appointed consummation. It is not out of compliment that lovers keep on telling one another how beautiful they are. The delight is incomplete until it is expressed. The delight is incomplete until it is expressed. Worship, a kingdom perspective. I've got to go. Weakness, 2 Corinthians 12, 9. He said, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. Kingdom perspective. My trials and disabilities and weaknesses exalt Christ. Paul's in chains, about ready to be beheaded. And he says, for me, living Jesus, dying gain. Love. 1 Corinthians 13, 13. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Kingdom perspective, we love. Love is a selfless, willing sacrifice for the good of another person, even when they don't deserve it, and not expecting anything in return. Kingdom people have a perspective that we love one another, and we love people that we disagree with to advance the gospel. Amen? Kingdom perspective. What's the kingdom product What does this produce? Unity. Paul says that this whole thing about keeping our our eyes on the goal of advancing the gospel should bring unity. For me to live Christ, Jesus is the center of our life and our unity. We as brothers and sisters should be unified on the goal for living Christ. Paul says, for me, living Jesus. All of us should agree to that. Everybody say amen. 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 So we're unified, brothers and sisters. It should bring unity. Psalm 16 and 11 says this. You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with your joy and presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. 
living is Jesus. Philippians 3 and verse 8. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them as garbage that I may gain Christ. That's Paul's philosophy, a kingdom perspective. Everything in this world is so temporary, it's rubbish. Give me Jesus. We should be unified in that. It should also bring fearlessness. Kingdom perspective brings unity, and it also brings fearlessness to die gain. Embracing this takes away our opponent's last weapon, and that's death. They can't take that from me anymore. It's not a fear for me. I'm not afraid of what's next. Romans 14 and 8 says, If we live, we live for the Lord. If we die, we die for the Lord. So whether living or dying, we belong to the Lord. Do you realize we'll always be with the Lord? Are you okay with that? I had a test last week. I didn't tell you about it. I got put under. They took me in, checked me out. You know me. I thought for sure I was dying. I went in and I even told my wife, I said beforehand, I said, I'm expecting bad news today. And she's like, knock it off. You're fine. I knew. I I went in. When I went under, I thought, when I wake up, I'm going to hear these terrible words. At 52, I've lived a a good life. I really have. What's, What's my fear? I preach the gospel several parts of the world, and I'll continue to do it while I have breath, living Jesus. But you know what? Dying, I'll be okay. Wouldn't you know it? They came back and said, you're fine. Oh, man, I have to say you're right again to my wife. I hate that. (laughs) I guess I'll go on living. But it's good for us every once in a while to realize that being with Jesus, no more pain, no more sorrow. 1 Corinthians 15, 26, the last enemy to be destroyed is death. And then later on in that same passage 51 through 57. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed, for the, in, for the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. We're with Christ forever and for always. Mm. Living, live for Christ. Dying, I'm not afraid of that. What can the world do to me? Since I was preparing this message, one song kept going through my mind over and over again. Some of you, half of you like it when your pastor sings to you. The other half appreciates good music and wish I wouldn't. I'm only going to make half of you happy today. I kept singing this song. as one of my favorite songs. and I believe it's a song that Paul would have sang. I think it's his life. I think this is what he was trying to say over and over again to people. It's it's about Jesus. And then when it's over, I get to be with Jesus. We'll make it our closing song for today. In Christ alone. Christ alone will I glory, though I could pride myself in battles won. For I've been blessed beyond measure, 
and by his strength alone I overcome. And oh, I could stop and count successes like diamonds in my hand. But those trophies could not equal to the grace by which I stand. In Christ alone, I place my trust and find my glory in the power of the cross. In every victory, let it be said of me, my source of strength, my source of hope. Christ alone. In Christ alone will I glory, for only by His grace I am redeemed. Only His tender mercy could reach beyond my weakness. I seek no greater honor than just to know Him more, and to count all things but losses to the glory of the Lord. In Christ alone, I place my trust. Find my glory in the power of the cross. In every victory, let it be said of me, my source of strength, my source of hope is Christ alone. I place my trust. kingdom perspective. Let's pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, help us to live like Paul. Thank you for your example of this man that you called out of rebellion into being a preacher. God, thank you for his life poured out like a drink offering. God, he died for you. You died for us. We should live for you. Help us to live it out.
this week. Help us to look for opportunities. Help us to see people not as problems, but our purpose. And God, I pray we'd leave a kingdom perspective. In Jesus' name, amen. May God's face shine upon you. May he give you peace. Go. God bless.